0: Grant a round of applause. Even with a cold, his hair and clothing is on point. So, great appreciation for that. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Okay, we're going to have to wake up a little bit. It could be completely snowing outside and snow plows and winter clothes, but it's a beautiful day. We're going to get you on your day to go have your lunches and cleaning of your house and everything else. Kids, if you're in this room, clean your house for your mom. Uh, Pick up after yourself at least. Uh, Dads, pick up your clothes and do whatever you're supposed to do to uh, stay in good graces. I love moms, uh, and I've been trying to get around to a lot of you to give hugs. And uh, if you haven't done so already, here's my permission. Sometime in uh, the midst of the sermon, grab your phone, text your mom. Uh, don't wait. Uh, you go, well, I'm going to call her later. Text her right now and say, I'm in church. I was just told to text you. Happy uh, Happy Mother's Day. I'll call you later, but just wanted to let you know I'm thinking about you right now. Um, anytime you use the excuse, I'll call her later, or I already did, um, then you're already in the doghouse. So you should be doing this multiple multiple times. We're as uh, Miranda and others have said. We're aware that today can be a hard day for a lot of different reasons for many many of you. Um, not only with infertility and and not um, being married and and some other reasons for that, but we also realize that uh, this can be a hard day as well because some of you don't have good relationships with mom, and uh, and so you mourn that and we mourn that uh, with you. And uh, just know that. We're hoping that today is kind of a break from that and that you're able to enjoy uh, your day today. We're starting a three-week series today on relationships. Uh, I have the privilege of talking about parenting on Mother's Day. Uh, Alex has been married for how long now? So five years. He is going to bring all of his expertise on marriage (laughs) next week. Uh, five years worth and you can pack, you can pack a lot into five years. So don't underestimate the absolute brilliance and expertise that he will tell all of you in your sixties and seventies, what you should be doing in your marriage. That'll be super fun to watch. Uh, and then the Pope in two weeks, uh, the Pope, uh, runs our base camp children's ministry, uh, single dad, uh, an incredibly hardworking, God fearing single dad. He's going to be talking on singleness, uh, and bringing that, uh, to the table. And so we're just excited for this idea of relationships. I just want to say happy Mother's Day to my beautiful bride, Sandy, and uh, hope that you guys enjoy your day today. So with that said, we're going to jump in. I get to talk about parenting according to the Bible. And here's what I want to do this morning. I want to speak to young parents. I want to speak, if you consider yourself not a young parent, but not an old parent, you can decide that. And then I want to speak to old parents uh, as well, grandparents, parents of teens, adult children, uh, aunts and uncles, etc. I want to speak really directly to you. And let's start with this. Parenting is one of life's greatest opportunities and one of life's greatest challenges. That's just how it is. And if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to to pull those out. We've been really encouraging, bring your Bibles, bring your Bibles. Uh, A few of you came up and and proved that to me. Don't feel like you need to prove anything to me. I appreciate that, but uh, bring your Bibles uh, from home. If you don't own one, we'll buy one for you, or we'll direct you on on what's a good one to bring. Bring a marker, bring a pen, bring a notebook, be taking notes and scribbling in your Bible and and wrestling with that. Uh, Some of you are new to the Bible, new to church, and so I want to give you advance notice. We'll be in the book of Deuteronomy. That gives you a little bit of time uh, to find that. Parenting is one of life's greatest opportunities and one of life's greatest challenges. I liken it to if you've ever driven a go-kart. Any of you ever go to like the go-kart races? Uh, and I'm not talk about the wussy ones. I'm talking like s- some kid took off the, 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 uh, the safety clip and, and it goes really fast. You guys ever driven any of those? Uh, super fun, exhilarating, fast. You're feeling all kinds of feelings. And at the same time, things can go wrong very, 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 very quickly. Uh, in fact, my, my older sister uh, almost got kicked out of the go-kart place last summer um, because she couldn't control the car and kept ramming into things. Not on purpose, but nevertheless, it was a lot of power and a lot of excitement. And she wasn't a good driver in that moment. I'm sorry, Julie, but it is what it is. A lot of things can go wrong if we take our eyes off the road. Some of you have been in a car accident. How many of you have been into a car accident in the last 10 years? Raise your hand. Keep them up. Like a lot of you are this. Okay, raise your hand up high like you're trying to rebound if you've been in a car accident in the last 10 years. Look around, everybody. Those of you who do not have a hand up, time to judge. (laughs) All right, we 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 specifically plug in times for judgment at this church. So uh, if you take your eyes off the road, you are going to crash. How many times for those of us who have taught our teenage children how to drive, where we say, "Look where you're going. Keep your eyes. Don't look at me. Look at the road. <laughs> I'm begging you, look at the road. Right." If we take our eyes off that, we're going to crash. And I say this because our problem with parenting isn't our spouses. You might be here today and go, well, you know, my parenting is because Do you see who I'm sitting by? It's not a problem with your spouse or our lack of a spouse. It's not our culture. It's not the defiance of our kids. It's not culture as much as we want to blame culture on how our kids are turning out. It's not difficult circumstances. It's the problem in our parenting is sinfulness. Let's just all get on the same page with this. What this does is it allows us to theologically focus in the right direction, but then it also throws off some guilt that we carry. For some of you in this room, you carry guilt with your adult children or with your current younger children. And the reality is our problem in our parenting is our sinfulness as dads and yes, even moms. Our sinfulness, our, our self-absorbed, self-centered, focus-on-me-what-I-want-to-do lives. That's the problem. You might say, well, how can you narrow it down to that? And it's easy. Any problem that exists in this world is because of sin. It's because Satan broke it. It's not perfect. It's, it's not the way it's supposed to be anymore. It causes our eyes to take, uh, to drift away from the road where we're driving, where we're supposed to be focused and look elsewhere to ignore biblical issues, to, to ignore biblical truths and to ignore biblical priorities for our children. That's what happens when we take our eyes off the road. And often this creates the worst case scenario and parenting becomes a constant battleground. Some of you have faced that before Where you just go, my gosh And Sandy and I have faced this I'll, I'll admit to you We have faced this where you go Man, every day is our battleground And often it's because we've taken our eyes off of What they should be on And then there's one crash after another Not bad for a Mother's Day sermon, huh? <laughs> like, so glad I came But it's right, isn't it? You moms know this. And now you might be a mom in this room and just life kind of seemed easy or it has seemed easy and life's kind of perfect and your kids are perfect and everything turned out dandy and we just welcome you into our presence. We're glad we're near you. We want to rub up against you. Because for the rest of us, there's some tough plowing. And the reason I want to begin with this is because I want to address this. Because we want to do everything we can to avoid this. To focus on what we should be focused on. So I want to share with you three keys this morning. Our target, our role, and our power. Three keys. Three areas that we should be heading as parents who we are supposed to be as parents, and how do we get there, what, what that power is. And so first, I want us to look at our target. I want to look at the target this morning. And we're going to go back to Deuteronomy, to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hopefully you've been able to find that by now in your Bibles. Deuteronomy chapter 6, to the central passage in the Bible on parenting. The Shema, the Hebrew word for hear. Uh, it's become the the Jewish confession of faith, uh, along with a secondary passage in the book of Numbers, and it's and it's a it's a regular reciting of this passage for a reason, uh, and so I'm going to read this starting in verse four. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength, and you must commit yourselves. Wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Verse seven, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, on your hearts. In other words, don't leave God's word behind. Don't proceed forward without God's word. And so look at, let's look at this very first one. Uh, our target is our children's hearts. Our target as moms and dads, and, and at times I'm going to drift between the two, but I just want to say to you moms in this room, your target is your children's hearts that they would love God from, from what? the heart, that they would love God from their hearts. And, and really, this is for everyone in this room. You say, well, I'm not a mom or a dad. This is for everybody. This is what God wants from you, that you would love God rooted in your heart. And this is what we want for our children. The Bible talks about the uh, causal core of your children's being. That causal core is not their behavior. It's not their success. It's not what they do or don't do. That causal core is their heart condition. In other words, it's your child's heart that causes them to act and say the things that they do. What's going on in your child's heart is way more important than what's going on outside of them. Some of you need to hear this. What's going on in your child's heart is much, much, much more important than what's going on outside of their bodies. This is not limited to little kids. You say, well, I have an adult kid who's, you know, not walking with the Lord and making poor decisions and their life's a wreck. What's going on with their heart is much more important than what you and I get to see. Our our children have attitude problems. They have language problems. They have mind problems, purity problems, decision-making problems, because they, like you and I, have a heart problem, a sin problem. And so Deuteronomy commands, love God from your hearts. Your target, moms and dads, is your kids' hearts. And often, and Sandy and I get caught up in this tidal wave, but, but often what we get caught up on is the behavior of is the obedience, is the outward action, the decision-making, and we have not invested any time or we have long delayed it focusing on the kids' hearts. And the second point to this, we see this in verses seven through nine, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. In other words, talk about this all the time ad nauseam, constantly be talking about this. And we're going to talk about what that looks like and what it doesn't look like. But we reach our target by impressing the gospel onto our children's hearts. We press it in. We bring the gospel up at every possible step along the way when we're seated and we're walking about when we lie down, when we're eating Now, here's what I'm not suggesting. I'm not suggesting all you talk about each and every day is Jesus. That's not what I'm suggesting. There are important things to talk about. Pizza. The Broncos, the Bears, fishing. What you're going to do for Mother's Day. There's life happens. I'm not suggesting you just become a robot that every single conversation is about Jesus. But what the Bible is saying is that if you as a mom and if you as a dad hear me on this, if you are not regularly talking about God's story, about how you have experienced love and forgiveness and how you have experienced giving away love and experience. If you are not talking about the ways of God's work here and now, you are living in complete disobedience to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And for some of you, that's going to sting, and I want it to. Because you do the groceries, you do the laundry, you run the house, you teach them not to fight, you teach them manners, you, you teach and teach and teach. Some of you dads have not talked about God in a long time and you are failing Deuteronomy chapter 6. Talk about sports, talk about politics, talk about where we're going on vacation, uh, do your job, come home, help the kids with bed. If you are not being a godly man that's trying to talk about what this book says and you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you are missing the mark. The reason why I want that to be, be stinging and the reason why I want that to be a pinch in your side is there's something you can do about that. It starts today. Same thing with moms. But we must do something. The command is whenever, wherever. This is an ongoing conversation about how Jesus changes life. How how Jesus has interrupted everything and made it better. And the reason why I want to be so pointed with this is because if that's not an interest of you, there are thousands, millions of parenting self-help books at Barnes & Noble and on Amazon. You can go get one of those. But if you want to be a godly man, a godly woman, a godly parent, this is not up for discussion This is why in Proverbs chapter 4, you guys can turn there, Proverbs 4 chapter 23, it's the greatest conversation ever recorded in all of history between a son and his father. And this is what he says, this dad looks to the son and says, guard your heart among everything else. Above everything else, guard your heart for it will determine the course of your life. I wish we had weeks and weeks and weeks to talk about this heart. Do not not mistake this as perfection. In fact, if the Bible shows anything, it shows that he uses imperfection the best. And so if you're like, well, I'm kind of a failure. I I try it, none of my kids listen. Uh, I've tried it, I don't know what to say. God adores that. Than the one who knows everything to say and doesn't say it. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We want to capture our kids' hearts for Jesus. If the point comes where I know that all of my kids are following Jesus with their hearts, anything else is desert in my life. I don't need any more days. I don't need to see my kids get married. I don't need to see the Bears win another Super Bowl. I don't need another piece of pizza. If I know that they are following God with their hearts, I'm complete. We want to capture this. And, And I want to give you four very, very fast. We're going to move through these pretty quickly. Four very fast things of what this means. Number one, this means your target isn't obedience or success. This isn't a medal. This isn't a grade. This isn't a job. This isn't uh, something that they accomplish and you go, Quick, let me take your picture so I can put it on my Facebook. This isn't success or obedience. Our target is that they will love God from their heart because they will know how they have been loved by Jesus, not that they will obey or succeed. Are you with me? This is hard. Because we want our kids to succeed. We want them to make good decisions. Number two, don't sweat the small stuff. What this means is choose your battles carefully. Man, if I could go over and start with Naomi at birth, I would do things differently. I'm trying to make up for that in Max. And then I look at Max, I'm like, "Uh, there's not another one to make up for Max. But don't sweat the small stuff. The soul of your son or daughter is more important than how clean their room is. Don't associate the two. Don't twist Scripture and don't, certainly don't twist God to proving your point. Don't say, well, your room is a reflection on your holiness to the Lord. Like, You're going to be struck by lightning. That is not in the Bible. It doesn't say in the Bible, if you love God, you'll chew with your mouth shut. I've looked. It does not exist. The Bible does not say if you you love God, you will forevermore clean out the sink after you brush teeth and don't splatter on the mirror. It doesn't say it. Their dishonest words are more important than their grades. Your kids' grades matter nothing if their hearts are far from God. What matters most is their heart. Instead of cracking down so hard on what movies they watch and what music they're listening to, and you make them listen to Stephen Curtis Chapman, because you think that's just going to make them holy, Instead of doing that, can I give you a beg? I beg you to watch their friends. I beg you to see who they're spending time with. Focus on that. That will reveal their heart. The the friends influence the heart more than almost anything else. Number three, ask your kids questions. Fears, feelings, what's going on in their lives, what's going on in their friends' lives, what's going on at school, their opinions on culture. We want to bring out what's going on in their hearts. Be real with your kids. Have doubts with your kids. Don't have the Sunday school answer all the time with your kids. Get frustrated, not with your kids, get frustrated with culture. Have real conversation. Let them see that, yes, you are mom and dad, and the Bible, as I like to say, says you need to honor mom and dad, but let them see you're real. And now some of you are going to have children with one word answers. Pretty tight lipped than others. How was school? Good. How was soccer practice? Good. What'd you do with your friends after school? good. (laughs) You're going to have that. Many of you have had that. Sandy and I are blessed with kind of the opposite torture. (laughs) We like tiptoe into asking a question like, how was your day? And I only only have two minutes. (laughs) But if that's you, if you're getting one word answers from your youngest of kids to your oldest of kids, then let me give you some advice. Talk about your heart, talk about your hopes and fears, talk about your joys, Talk, talk about your struggles, talk about your stresses, talk about where you're falling in love with Jesus. Talk about where you've had trouble with difficulty with, with friends and coworkers. Share, talk, model to your kids, how it, how it looks to open up your heart. And I, trust me, I know this. Some of you are introverted, like if I look up introverted, you are on the Internet. <laughs> your picture is there. And when I share this, you're like, "Ah, I'm about to have a nervous breakdown. You can do it. And finally, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Please pray. Please pray with your kids. Please pray over your kids. Please grab them as much as they don't want it. Lay hands on them and pray over them. Every single morning, the boys will never leave our house before we lay hands, Sandy and I, together and and pray over them. And Jesus grabs this Shema in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, and he actually adds to it. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. We want our kids to love Jesus with everything. We don't want them just to have the answers. We don't want them to just know right and wrong. We want to love. We want our kids to love Jesus passionately with all of themselves. So Sandy and I have been praying this verse over our kids. I want to ask you to join me in that. If you, if you If you haven't had a verse to pray over your kids, even if your kids are out of the house, you're an empty nester, you have adult kids, would you join me in praying this verse over your kids, that your kids would love the Lord your God with all of their hearts, all of their soul, and all of their minds. It centers your purpose and it, and it clarifies target. So our target is the kids' hearts. Number two, uh, and this will be easy for some and harder for others we are not owners, but ambassadors. You don't own your kid. You don't get to choose for them. Career, sport, as much as I don't like boyfriend or girlfriend, you don't get to choose. You are an ambassador, not an owner. That truth changes how we view our kids because we are servants of the living God. To the children that God has assigned us, if we get this, it's a game changer. For Sandy and I, we have two biological children. We have two adopted. So I, I know they're adopted, but I always try. I'm careful. Because in the adopted birth world there's phrases and ninety percent of the time I, I I have really good heart, but I say it wrong. So we have two that are biological, two that are adopted on a regular basis. Some of it's their behavior, but also being adopted. On a regular basis, I'm reminded that Luke and Seth, I am their ambassador. I'm a caretaker. And I'll admit to you, sometimes I struggle with remembering as much with Naomi and Max. I knew Max. I was just slowing down for emphasis. Look, you get up here and try to remember a bunch of, like, names. I know the kid's name. Here's why. Because if we think we're owners, we begin to think we parent however we want. Stay out of it. It's my kids. I'll parent how I want. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've even thought that. I have thought that. Especially if my parents are saying these parents want to give uh, uh, <laughs> careful <laughs> advice. And our focus is if we're owners, we want what we want for our kids and we want what we want from our kids. But owners put pressure on their kids to perform. And the problem with that is that our children don't belong to us. They belong to God. They're God's children. When they get to heaven, they're going to say, Father, and I'm going to have to take a step back because I'm not the father they're going to be talking about. God is the one who created them. God is the one who's gifted them. God is the one who knows their futures. It's his plan for their life, not yours. Look with me at at Psalm chapter 24. Psalm chapter 24. Give you a minute here to get that. We'll be on this for just a minute so you can highlight it when you get there. It says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Man, we could give a month to this passage. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to who? Him. The the world and all of its people belong to Him, capital H, big God. The one who's in charge, big honcho. Everything belongs to God, including your children, including your adult children, including your grandchildren. They are his. They're not yours. Our job as parents, and again, I don't like this either. I tend to say that a lot in messages, but it's truth. Our job as parents, we're servants. Now, on Saturday morning, those roles shift (laughs) a little. And I become the master, and, and they're vacuuming. But in reality, as a parent, as you as a mom, you as a dad, you're a servant. You are an ambassador for Jesus to your kids. God's agenda not ours last point finally I want to I want to talk about the power for parenting and I'm going to speak very specifically to moms and know that I do this scared and carefully because I'm always very well aware of a man directing moms all by myself with no protection <laughs> but I do so with confidence because this is scripture for you where does this power f- come from how can we pull this off how can you as a mom pull this off and I want to direct you to a little paragraph in the New Testament it's found in 2nd Corinthians uh, start at Matthew and then head to the right several blocks and you'll get there 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 we'll talk for a minute give you time to get there Now, I will preface this because I'll save you the email that you might send to me. This passage doesn't speak about parenting once. Not once, okay? I know that. I'm very well aware of that. But it does speak volumes to where the power does and does not come from relative to parenting. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 4. We are confident of all of this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own, moms. Our qualification comes from who? God. He enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is the covenant, not of written laws, but of the spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but the new covenant, the spirit gives life. The power for parenting comes through the Holy Spirit. The power for you to be a great mom comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. As a cop, I saw a lot of women who were moms, and I saw a lot of bad moms. I saw a lot of awful dads. It does not take any skill level, follow me, to become a parent. We'll leave it at that. But it takes something uniquely special to be a great mom. And again, don't think great in terms of behavior and success following. Great in terms of being who God has made you to be for your children. I want to look at how this verse shows confidence and hope relative to parenting. God wants you to experience this power in your parenting. He starts by saying that his confidence is in Jesus Christ. The moment you say yes to Jesus the moment that you accept him as your Lord and Savior, the, the moment that you embrace his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy, the moment you say, I am going to begin to follow him, the righteousness, the right living, the perfection of Jesus, we modeled that last week as we baptized Hunter here on the stage, that righteousness becomes yours and the power and the presence of the spirit begins to live and empower you. We forget that. But our confidence is in Christ. And the reason why this is, is so important is because you are going to have miserable days as parents. Some of you, if, if we had an open mic, you would want to come up here and say, hold on, I'll double down on what Brian just said. Sometimes you're going to have miserable years. Years. you're going to feel guilty. You're going to lose your patience. You're going to think this whole God living through me to my kids, it isn't working with me. It's working with that lady at church, but it's not working with me. And then you're going to start to feel horrible. And at times you're going to feel like you're out of your mind. I think I've got a pretty good grasp on moms because I'm married to one. I have one. And I'm around all of you women all the time. And sometimes we paint on the perfect face. We smile. We look pretty. We smell good. Our hair is done. And you look good, but it's sometimes horrible in here. And believe it or not, in that moment where you feel horrible, where you feel lost, where you feel like a failure, in that moment, God wants you to have confidence. That's the moment he wants to give you that confidence. Hope in Christ. You see, God has designed it so that we would not rely on ourselves, but on him. That's how... He's the creator, It's how he's designed it. And you might agree and say, okay, well, the spirit gives us power. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus by revealing and pointing us to the glory and the beauty of Jesus. And this is exactly what Jesus says in John chapter 16, verse 14. For I am sending you the spirit who will what? That's participation. Okay. I am sending you the spirit Sorry, you don't have the slide, Donald's. You're like, well, I don't know, what do you want from me? <laughs> I am sending you the Spirit who will what? This is Jesus talking. God gives us the Spirit so we will see and understand that beauty, the power, the goodness, the mercy, the kindness, the sacrifice, and the majesty of Jesus Christ. This is what the Spirit does for you. What the Spirit does for me, it grabs our hearts every day. And if we choose to give the Spirit life, as we looked at in Galatians chapter five, then that creates a wildfire that cannot be easily easily extinguished. It stays aflame. It empowers, it fuels, and it guides you in parenting. But if this isn't happening for you, If there is not a moment by moment, day by day, resting and completely relying on the power of the Holy Spirit to direct every word you speak, every action that you participate in, then you're running your parenting vehicle on fumes and you're going to do some serious damage. Your kids need to see your faith. And listen, I know this is Mother's Day and at least all you women look beautiful. It's a beautiful day. There's flowers for you that we're going to give you. But I do want to say this. One of the greatest reasons that teenagers are leaving the church in droves after high school is not because they're rejecting God. It's because they've not seen an authentic view of Jesus' life-giving power in their homes. And for you moms and dads, I want you just to sit in that for a moment. Just sit there. They may have heard all the rules. They may have heard all the answers. They've heard neat formulas and, and, and morals and ethics and happy, happy, rah, rah, and all the Sunday school stories and all the Sunday school answers. But they haven't seen authenticity in you. In how you interact with them and how you interact with each other. You want to give your kid the greatest gift ever? Reveal before them an authentic following of Jesus. And let it be messy. Let it be hard. Let it be difficult. Paul says, don't be confident in yourself. Your confidence is from God. And what this means is that we are going to be miles and miles ahead in our parenting when we realize that our hearts are just as sinful as our kids. Can you be okay with that? Your heart is just as sinful as your kids'. And when you understand this, this produces humility in your parenting. And that produces a gentleness. And then we become very real with our kids. They need to understand, as the Shema said in Deuteronomy, they need to understand the story of God. So I'll share with you as, as these guys get tuned up. I'm share with you just a, a very brief story that happened this week. I'm in my office preparing the message, thinking about sin, thinking about uh, God's faithfulness, thinking about redemption, thinking about Jesus, thinking about everything that we're saying that we want our kids to understand this story. And I hear the rumblings of the first shots fired in World War III coming from our kitchen. And so I went into the kitchen and there's Luke and Seth and Max and and you would have thought like the Roman Empire was invading. <laughs> and I'm like, hold on, time out. Referees timeout. And I and I began to explain, I said, do you know why you're annoyed with Max and a uh, parenting failure? He's like, yeah, I've told him a million times not to whistle in front of me. He won't listen to me. And I, like, created a monster. So I'm like, okay, well, that didn't work. But I'm testing these waters. So I said, okay, well, let's set that away. Do you know why you lose your patience? Do you know why you get angry? Do you know why certain things come out of your mouth? Do you know why, uh, at times, you want to hold your brother under the water? Yeah, because he, and I I stop, I'm like, hold on, that's what you're doing, but why? And finally, Sandy gives me the look like, stop preaching, just tell them the answer. (laughs) So I said, here's the deal, guys, it's sin. You're annoyed because you have sin. Mom and I lose our patience with you guys because we have sin we don't do a good job sometimes because we have sin y- you lie because you have sin you want to punch your brother in the face because you have sin it's, it's not that hard we have a sin problem boys I'm like who is the only one that can fix this Jesus how and Seth said well He went to the cross. That's exactly right. But why did he go to the cross? So that we won't sin anymore. And I said, no, because we do sin. Don't mistake the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross so you won't sin anymore. He he went to the cross because you do keep sinning because there's brokenness there. And Sandy and I begin to talk, okay, we need to shift our parenting less on behavior and results and more on our kids' hearts. And so this morning we launch into this relationship series and we begin with parenting. Able to do what God has called us to because we have access to the Holy Spirit that points us to Jesus. And so I really don't know how you moms are walking out of here. I I hope you're not depressed. I I hope you're encouraged. I hope you have truth. I I hope you have a reset button. I, I don't know. I don't know how else to give it to you than the truth. And I know you don't want to be coddled and just a bunch of whatever, mushy-gushy like you're a great mom. I hope you want to keep it real because this relationship that you have, this role that you have as mom is the greatest challenge that you'll ever experience and it's the greatest opportunity that you'll ever experience. And we do not go at it alone amen let's pray together so Lord we love you again, we're grateful for uh, today. We're grateful for uh, the truth of the gospel. We're we're faithful for passages in in Deuteronomy and Psalms and Proverbs and 2 Corinthians and Matthew that all neatly and, and very perfectly according to your wisdom, knit it all together to give us guidance. And as we launch this series on relationships and we kick off this morning on parenting, there are moms in this room that need one of these points. Maybe need to be redirected to what the target is. Maybe redirected from ownership to ambassador. And maybe there's a mom or two in this room that need to remember, man, my power is not on my understanding. My power is not on reading books. My power is not, quote, doing a good job in the moment. My power is in the Holy Spirit that points me to Jesus. Jesus. so you know what moms need in this room you know what moms that are listening online or watching online what those moms need you know the hurts and the pains and the tears that are in this room you know the gritting teeth and the arms that are crossed you know the pain you know the brokenness you know the trauma you know everything and you are good So please come, Lord. We're just a church. We're just a church that meets for a little bit and, and enables people, but you are a God of all creation. You are the God who comes and changes lives. You are the, the God who comes and brings peace. You are the God who comes and brings wholeness. You are the God that comes and takes which is broken and makes it new again. This is who you are. This is my prayer for every single one of these moms going forward is that you would come and meet them where they are. Get in the car with them. Go through with them uh, throughout their day as they lie down tonight. Speak words of encouragement and hope and direction so they can experience all that you have waiting for them. We love you. We're grateful for this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name.